Welcome to Bulls Gold on Nothing But Net Radio, part of Dash Radio. I'm Salim Sutterwala, and as always, I'm joined by Edward Schroeder Jr. Hey, Edward, how's it going today, man? I'm good. We're fresh off the Bulls' uh, victory over the Dallas Mavericks. No Luka Doncic, so not as exciting to watch, but a mildly entertaining game. But yeah, I'm good. How about you? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Like, yeah, the win was nice. It's it's always better to get a, a you know a win, and as opposed to coming out against a team like you said, there was no Luca, uh, obviously still no Porzingis, and the Bulls were at least able to take care of business in that regard. So that's that's nice to see. Yeah, absolutely, and we'll, we'll get into it, but it's. To me, it's like with these with this Bulls team, I have to get out the habit of saying what they should do because we just have to accept the reality that there's going to be a lot of mistakes in these games because so many players are still learning. And we'll, we'll get into it when we're discussing it, but even though Kobe White had a really good game, you still see like a lot of the like uh, a, a lot of the teachable moments that are happening same thing with Wendell Carter Jr. same thing with Patrick Williams like still a really young team and even though Dallas doesn't have Luka Doncic or Kristaps Porzingis it it, nothing is a given they could have easily lost this game and there were points where it looked like they would lose this game so we'll get into it though yeah definitely definitely get into it so going into you know the last week or so we Came off a couple of nice wins against the Wizards, um, but out of, like right after facing those teams, we we faced a couple of tougher teams, and we saw kind of the <laughs> uh, kind of a blowout losses happen. And then going into tonight, obviously against a softer team because there's no Luca and no Porzingis you see a, a win come out, but what would, what would be your evaluation? I guess I would ask you is uh, over the last week that you saw uh, since the last time we, we, we saw the bulls. Well, I would love for the bulls to play the wizards every other game. That would be nice. It seems like they have their number at this point, but uh, yeah, I, I think that this team is just in, uh, I, I was on Twitter, uh, scrolling some tweets and I saw uh, from what Mark Karen Zulis was saying, who's been on the show a few times. And he was saying basically how Daniel Gafford is really one of the few, maybe if not the only player on his team who is in a role that makes sense for what he's doing. And then when you look at everybody else, it's a lot of players who are really not in ideal roles right now. Like, Zach Levine is the number one guy on the team. Kobe White is learning how to play point guard. Wendell Carter Jr. is trying to figure out, you know, if he can become an offensive option. Patrick Williams is a rookie. There are a lot of players in roles right now that are not suitable to them because the Bulls lack uh, top end talent or they lack playmakers, you know, all of those things. So, when we see these games against, I mean, tonight we saw it uh, where there were just a lot of teachable moments with Kobe White. He had a good game, but still a lot of a lot of teachable moments at the point guard position. Wendell Carter Jr., the same thing. And that's kind of what I see when they play teams like Milwaukee, right? Milwaukee easily 
beat them. Granted, it was on the uh, back end of a back-to-back, but Milwaukee just easily handled that Bulls team. And they did that in the same way that Atlanta and Indiana did. Whereas when they play teams like the Wizards, when they play teams like Golden State, when they play this Dallas Mavericks team where you have players who are a little bit more on the, you know, uh, the level of this young Bulls team, the games are a little bit more competitive. So it, it, it really seems like we're, we are seeing early what this Bulls team is. They're not going to be particularly good. They're probably going to get their ass kicked by a lot of really good teams, especially with this West Coast trip coming up. And when they play some eh, teams and some bad teams, they're going to be into it more. So it, it's it, it's going to be a really bumpy ride. It, uh, there's going to be a lot of games like the Milwaukee and uh, Atlanta and Indiana games coming up. And I, I just hope that fans keep that in mind that even though it's going to be bumpy, this team is still learning a lot and they're learning on the fly. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and to kind of get into Kobe a little bit, I think when, when we're watching this team along with Kobe play, I I thought as, as a point guard is concerned, like his, uh, as a lead ball handler, lead initiator, I thought his game against Washington, the last game was a lot better than compared to this game. Now he shot the ball better, much better. Uh, today and scored the ball better today or tonight I should say but against Washington I I thought his floor game was a lot better there and I think the reason we're seeing these up and down and especially with the with the rest of the team in general is when we're facing less disciplined teams um, even the Mavericks I think while they didn't like we talked about they don't have Luca and Porzingis they're still pretty disciplined they're they play as a team as a unit you know they have a great coach a top 10 coaching with Carlisle and he has them ready to go out to play they have a style they know what they need to do they're not going to divert just because Luca's not there they're not going to change really their playing style per se someone like a Rick Brunson takes that Luca role in a sense and they still play that same kind of uh in that same kind of manner and flow so they they know what they're doing and I think that's why even without that talent on their team you saw them really sticking with a young and experienced Bulls team and talking about Kobe again yeah today he, yeah he was good as a scorer he made some big shots tough shots but again it's it's about his growth we need to see as a playmaker and unfortunately the reason we really need to see that this season is because the Bulls really don't have anyone else I mean, if the Bulls had someone, a wing or anyone and like a big that was a really good passer, uh, obviously we think Wendell can eventually become a better passer, but he's not really there yet either as far as someone that you can make a half offensive hub out of. Mm-hmm. I think then you can live with the way Kobe plays on a, on a nightly basis, but it's because of that that the Bulls don't have that uh, play other playmaker initiator initial initiator so we're kind of you know see Kobe the way he plays at times become frustrating for how the offense flows and that's not even getting to the defensive side of the ball but just mainly looking at the offensive side uh, those frustrations come up because we don't have that guy to really be the lead ball handler. Yeah. He shot, he shot 50% from the field, 44% from three in his game, 23 points, seven boards, four assists, four turnovers. And I I think you're right. Is that 
when we were talking about Kobe White a year ago in the pre-draft process, what we highlighted was that his strengths are as a guard who can play off the ball. Really good catch and shoot, three-point shooter. He can he can create for himself and he, he can create for others in in spurts, but when you thrust him into a role like this where he is the lead playmaker and he has to create for so many people, it's going to be a huge, huge adjustment. And I, I do think it's fair to wonder if you're someone who doesn't believe that he's going to make that transition successfully, then I think these first uh, six games are just, they just pile onto it. But if you are someone who wants to see that, and I'm cool with it because like, again, this is a season of experimenting. This is a season of seeing what players can and cannot do. So if he's going to make these mistakes and he falls on his ass, ultimately as a, a lead playmaker, then that's fine by me. But it does seem like we have plenty of proof that when Kobe White can just play as an off guard, he's really good. He's got a good quick release. He can make that three point shot uh, at a, a pretty high rate. And I, I really do look at him as just like kind of a a scorer, maybe even if he's uh, an off the bench scorer. I, I feel like that's a, a good role for him uh, long term, but it will only come when the Bulls eventually or I mean, I guess we can't even say eventually, but if the Bulls do get a legitimate number one playmaker for this team who can shift everybody into roles that makes more sense for them. Yeah, exactly. And I and I think that's uh, with, with Kobe and Zach, especially when we talk about their fit together, like Kobe, you, you talked about his skill set. He's essentially like a lesser Zach Levine and, and, yeah. The mode that he's not as talented as Zach athletically and physically. Uh, I would say Zach is also a much better scorer. He's more proven. He's obviously played a lot longer to develop his offensive game in this league. Uh, Kobe eventually, I'm I'm not saying eventually he'll be a 25 plus point per game scorer, but I think you eventually will, you know, maybe refine his his offensive game a little more and maybe, you know, come down to about like an 18 point per game score and be efficient in that regards. But mm. I think that's like that fit together is also something that is a problem for this team and how the offense runs and how they, how they can really get the team going together. Yeah. It's, it's, it's wonky. It's redundant. There are nights like this where it's fine because they combined for 62 points and got the win and they both shot really well from the field and, you know, they're fun to watch, but yeah, like in a in a large sample size, it is a redundant fit. They like you said, Kobe White is a lesser Zach Levine, which isn't a bad thing. But you basically have two guys who can score, uh, and you don't really have a guy that is a playmaker for others. You you kind of need that guy in this lineup to me, and that's that's kind of where uh, Tomas Sadoransky I think comes into play. I'm, I don't know if he if he'll ever start on this team, but I feel like once he comes back, he's out right now because he tested positive for uh, coronavirus. But once he comes back and he can have more lineups, uh, potentially with Kobe White, potentially with Zach Levine on the floor at the same time, I think he's someone who can act as like a buffer in between them because Tomas Adaransky, it seems like whenever he's on the court, 
the offense needs to flow better because he gets guys into sets and he looks to pass. He looks to make that extra pass and he looks to set people up. And without that guy on this team, you just have a lot of players who are, you know, it, it, it has everyone has to move the ball seamlessly, I think. And as we've seen in, in these in these uh, past games, that isn't always the case. Yeah, I agree. Agreed. And I, I know there's there's, there's people that want to eventually start Sato just because of those facts that he can get the team into a better offensive sets. Um, I still, I don't know. I'm still a little ways over there. I guess I like, I, I waver a little bit sometimes, but I'm still a little bit away from that because I guess the upside of starting Sato, it just isn't that much greater. Like how many more games is that going to give the bulls win win wise uh, that I don't know because we talk about a lot of the Bulls' issues on offense, but defensively is a lot big hurdles as well. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I don't know how much difference starting Sato is really going to make compared to uh, continuing to go with Kobe because we talk about and again, yeah, defensively, both Zach and Kobe are probably the biggest problems on the defensive end because their inability to really you know, like as we, we've talked about in the past, to stay in front of their guys, not only that, but to really fight through screens and to, to, to stick in that regard. And then that kind of breaks the defense down from there. And then you see poor rotations overall. And it's not only – and it's not all Zach and Kobe. Again, there, there's mm. times where Wendell messes up too. There's times we see where Otto doesn't rotate over and they kind of get stuck on not wanting to leave like the shooters open, but then they leave the – rim for the easy dunk attempts and things like that so the defensively is really what it comes down to and today i think we saw that a lot of times but why the mavs were able to really keep in this game is because they were easily able to really you know find their way in the pick and roll game continuously run the same play over and over again where the bulls weren't really able to stop them yeah it seems like they're adjusting to the new coverages because i mean last like Going from like an aggressive scheme to from blitzing the pick and roll to now they're doing drop and then sometimes depending on the lineup they'll hedge. It, it, it seems like a a definite big adjustment, especially given that the lack of uh, extensive training camp and and preseason that you didn't really have uh, like that. There wasn't the case last year, so it, it definitely is some hurdles, and you, you can see the players kind of like they're still in the learning phases with it but I mean you know who looks good defensively though is uh Patrick Williams especially off the ball like I'm I've continued to been like really encouraged by what we've seen from Patrick Williams granted nothing like crazy like statistically but it seems like his instincts are really good especially on the defensive end and we're we're seeing the type of versatility that must have really popped for Karnishevis and Eversley to uh, take him at number four yeah defensively he's just a very impressive, like we talked about this multiple times in the past, but seeing a young player, what he's like 19, mm-hmm. he just recently turned 19 to be know how to rotate properly on rotations, help out on defense, um, all those various different things. And it's on the ball defense. We've seen where he's been able to like stick with guards, uh, kind of stay in front of them. And even when they kind of get in on the basket, he kind of eats them up at the rim those little things, it's it's very encouraging to see that. Uh, I know people want to probably see more from it offensively, but I think that'll come eventually. 
there's just not a lot of room for him to really take over offensively right now, just mm-hmm. considering obviously Lowry's not in the lineup right now, but in most cases, he's either the fourth or fifth option at best uh, on most lineups. So I, I just think the offensive portion, he's good right now where he's at. He's kind of playing within the flow of the offense. He's picking his spots, uh, doing, you know, the little things when, you know, there's an opportunity for him to do it, like being aggressive attacking. And that's the thing that I get really encouraged with him. This is the way he is able to kind of create for himself. Mm. Um when he's driving into paint, I don't know when he goes with his floater, but that a lot of times he's creating those for himself right there. He's not really relying on somebody to set him up. Uh, and even when he you know, goes into his pull-up jumpers, he's really creating those opportunities for himself. Yeah, he's been better off the dribble than I expected. Like, he definitely shows promise in that in that area. He's not just a straight-line driver, driver or a two- or three-dribble guy. Like, he can legitimately get his own shot not a high level shot creator yet but he definitely shows some promise in that area and I like the I like the lineup versatility that can come with him and we were talking about it uh at at the start of the season maybe some in preseason as well when Billy Donovan was experimenting some with these big wing lineups that had Otto Porter Chandler Hutchison Patrick Williams in it and all of those guys were basically interchangeable from two three four depending on what you wanted. And then I think they had like Tomas Sadoransky at point guard and he's six, seven. I'm, I still want to see the, those lineups when uh, Sadoransky and Hutchinson can get back. And especially, I think you, if you add Garrett Temple to the mix, who's also been pretty solid defensively as well. Like I, I think there's some very, I think we're seeing signs of the type of versatility that uh, Karnishevis and Eversley want on this roster. Just you know, wings with size, wings who can play multiple positions, who can guard multiple positions, can guard the perimeter, and aren't going to kill you on either end. I think we're seeing a little bit of it, and that excites me. And Patrick Williams, of course, is kind of like the poster child of it because he's our fourth overall pick. But yeah, I'm I'm excited to see that versatility when we get around to it. Yeah, and I'll say this too with the team overall. It's nice with these wins that they're picking up. I feel like last season... A lot of times, especially even games like this, we would have come up, come away with losses. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> yeah, because the I, substitutions I, would have been off and players would have it. I don't, like Billy Donovan talked about it, the players are they internalize and they don't rally together, and I think that happened last year, even though the coaching was bad. And yeah, it definitely would have probably would have been the case, right? Yeah, like some of these close, like the last game was super close against the Wizards. You know, I think there, I think the execution. Obviously, there's inconsistencies with execution with them still, but I think we're seeing more consistent executions to end the game compared to last season. Yeah, better coaching. They're getting better instructions, and I think the players are trying to figure out how to win together. So, yeah, you're you're right that they're. They're, they're they're slowly making some progress in some areas, even if it's going to come like sandwiched in between with some blowouts from some really good teams like Milwaukee. But like games like this are encouraging where you see them. They, they bend a little bit, but they're not breaking. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's that's the key, because last last year, a lot of times. So like the bad teams, they would either blow out and then when 
when they were in games against good teams, like I said, you know, they were just the opposing team being more disciplined. They would execute better compared to the Bulls, and it would just end up, you know, just being a blown opportunities and things like that. Yeah. So kind of getting into looking at comparing the Bulls to other teams that we've kind of talked about with where they are in the East compared to teams like, let's say, the Cavaliers, the Knicks, um, Hornets. uh, Toronto, surprisingly, started off really slow. I'm looking at some of the teams like Cleveland has been pretty a surprising team, and even the Knicks have been surprising. They've teams that the Knicks have beaten like that we really struggling as like the Pacers blew us out and Knicks beat them. Um, the Knicks beat a, a really good, obviously Bucks team, uh, the Cavs, you talk about them as well. They beat uh, a, a good Philly team. I think that Philly that they gave Philly their only loss um, outside of that. They've played fairly decent teams, the Atlanta team, that we got routed against opening night. Uh, they beat that Atlanta team. Where would you say you would put the Bulls at right now? Do you think they're probably going to end up being a bottom five in the East still, or do you see them even lower than that, or maybe climbing a little higher? I, I think 11, they're 11 right now, and I think that's about where they will be. You look at the teams behind them, Charlotte, Washington, Detroit. I think those are three of the teams that you would say are going to be in their range when we get deeper into the season. Uh, New York and Cleveland are definitely surprises. I don't think any of us had New York and Cleveland getting off to uh, pretty decent starts. But, I mean, New York is still 3-3. Three and three. Cleveland four and two so I mean there's still a lot that can happen there but yeah overall I do think that Chicago is a like 10 or 11 in the east maybe 12 depending on what happens it's just to me when we when we what we've seen from this team so far is they're going to they're they're significantly worse than the really good teams like again we played Atlanta Indiana and Milwaukee those three teams are playoff caliber basketball teams, and the Bulls got smoked by each one of them, not even close. Uh, and they played Washington, Golden State, and uh, tonight Dallas without Luka and Porzingis. And those games were closer. It To me, it's just the schedule is going to get really hard these next what, 15, 16 games, and it's not going to look good for the Bulls. So I – yeah, for me, I, I think it's going to be around 10, 11, or 12. I, they're just, it's just going to be too many growing pains unless it just all clicks at some point this season. Yeah, and I think the, the clicking is going to have to be on the defensive end more so than offensive side of the ball because I think that's where they end up really killing themselves um, when they're not really able to stop the opposing team, especially in the pick-and-roll defense. Uh, and then, obviously, we have to mention Lowry being out doesn't mm-hmm. help us either. Uh, hopefully, he'll be back soon. I know he's in that quarantine with because of the coronavirus, uh, the, the health protocol. They put him in the quarantine. I don't know if he – they haven't mentioned if he's test, tested positive, but I think they're just trying to keep – he put him in that protocol and 
hopefully maybe he'll be available against Cortland. I'm not really sure how that works. Mm. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, Sadoransky and Hutchinson both tested positive, and it's Markkinen and Archie Diakono, right? That are the other two. Yeah, yeah, contact. they, they okay. were. They didn't they, now. They didn't say they tested positive, but they said that yeah. they were put into that uh, protocol to sit out because they need to quarantine. Okay. Well, hopefully they, hopefully all goes well and they're back uh, sometime this week. I'm guessing that would be the case, but yeah, this this team right now is. Uh, I, I think they're about what we expected, right? Like, I, I don't, I think when we did the over under 30 and a half wins, I think we both had them under, and I think that's, they're probably going to finish well under that. So, yeah, 11, 12 in the East is about right. But again, that's fine. Like, they're, they're going to be growing pains this season. They're going to make mistakes. But as long as they show sign, as long as we get a better idea of what these players can and cannot do, and whether or not they fit what Billy Donovan and Carnishivis wants to do, in the long in the long haul, then I think that's going to be fine. And if hopefully down the stretch, the players that do fit what they're looking for, hopefully they click at some point uh, later down the stretch in the season. But for now, it's just going to be it, it's going to be a lot of what we saw against Milwaukee. It's going to be veteran teams who know how to play, who don't really need the really long off season to get ready and can just come at you, just put the ball on the floor and we can just get at you. The bulls are a team that's going to need a little bit more time because it's just, there there are so many losing habits. There are so many players figuring out new roles and we just have to get through all of that first. Yeah, definitely. And I'll say this too. I think I'd ideally like to see some consistency improvements and, outside of them really being impressive to the point where they just play really great and start just going on these winning streaks. Because I, the reason I say that is because I really want to see some moves happen before the trade deadline. And if they continue to play really bad and are losing games, that means guys really aren't showing improvement. Mm. And then that kind of makes it harder to really, you know, for Karnishevis to reshape this roster outside of just like letting them go for second round picks. Like I'm I'm sure somebody would happily take a lot of these guys for like second rounders, but we're not, that's not what we want to move them for. You know, we want to get optimum value, even if it's, even if it's, you know, some of these guys were taking like seventh or whatever, even if we can get like a late first, still better than, better than getting like a second or a couple of seconds or whatever. Well, I think the veterans they have are going to, Definitely, we're definitely going to see the veterans on this team pop up in trade rumors with Thaddeus Young and uh, Sadoransky, possibly Garrett Temple. Uh, and Zach Levine, of course, is going to be the most popular name. He's seen the way he scored against this Dallas team. He was just looking unstoppable in the first half, uh, cooled down in the second half. But we know what Zach can do with scoring the ball, and we know he would be really useful on any good team as a secondary or third playmaker. So I expect his name to be in there. And if the Bulls get off to the slow start that many people expect them to do, as you said, a lot of these names are going to be in different rumors. And it'll be interesting to see how Karnishevis and Eversley can, uh, you know, uh, maneuver the trade market to see what's out there. Because I I do think you're going to have to have that conversation. And we, we talked about it on a bunch of shows 
You're going to have to have that conversation about how Zach fits in with this team long term because you can't. Right now, he's a bargain, and in two years, he's not going to be a bargain anymore. He's going to get market value. So I, I'm sure they've talked about it, and I'm sure they they know if they're willing to to pay what Zach Levine is going to be worth in two years. But if you feel like this team is going to take a little while to really get to where you want, and that could definitely be the case, then you're not going to be able to maximize Zach Levine's current salary, and you should probably move him while he's still – a value as as our other players like Thaddeus Young with the way he's playing maybe a team will look at him like oh you know we could use a guy with his uh, veteran experience battle tested can play on both ends we could use him in the playoffs so it depending on what happens in this stretch that those conversations are going to just hit the ground running let me another guy that uh, potential and maybe the Bulls can move I don't know what your thoughts are, but do you think the Bulls should look to move Sadransky if they can get a good opportunity for him or good value for him, I should say, uh, being that he is really the only point guard on the roster uh, outside of like Archie Diacono. But um, do you think the Bulls should definitely look into moving him, especially because his contract isn't really that bad a thing, what he's making a little over the mid-level exception and the next season it's only guaranteed for 5 million. So if you do move him, you know, that's another, you know, and like another point where a team would be like, be enticed to take him on because they know like, look, if we need to cut him, we can save some money in that regards. But at the same time that he is a valuable rotation piece that could really help a team making a playoff push off the bench. I would, I would definitely look to move him if the bulls are just kind of out of it. I think uh, when, when Paxson and Foreman were still here and we were talking about the summer of 2021 as a target date for maybe this team to uh, be in the mixer for some free agents if they if the improvement got them there. And we now know that that's not going to be the case for multiple reasons. One, the Bulls are not a good team. And two, a lot of the, a lot of the uh, teams who had these free agents have re-signed these guys. So 2021 is no longer a a primo free agent class anymore. So there's going to be a lot of teams who have cap space and they got to spend it somehow. And it's going to be restricted free agents. It's going to be trades. So the way I see it, players like Sadoransky and Young who have that third year that's only uh, partially guaranteed, I think they are potential targets for these teams who might be more willing to say, okay, you know, that, you know, what, 2021 kind of being, you know, a toss up or just not as good as we thought we could take on that third year. That's fine. And he helps us now. So, yeah, I would absolutely uh, move Sadoransky. I don't I'm not sure what we would get, but I, I'm guessing maybe you could get like a second rounder and some type of shorter contract. I don't know. What, what do you think they could get? I don't know. I, I look at him. Like I said, he, he is a pretty decent player. And his contract isn't too bad. I, I don't know what a team we willing to give up like a late, like a first, like a top 25 protected. You think? Maybe. Or maybe. Yeah, I, I can see that. I mean, maybe I, I, I think you make a good point that like, he's not, he's not overpaid. Like he's not someone that you're in a rush to move, but if a team is giving you an okay offer and maybe you're getting at least some type of draft asset back, it might be worth doing. Like it's, you kind of think about 
how the Drew, or not Drew Holiday, the uh, Justin Holiday deal went down when the Bulls signed him to that two-year contract, and then they traded him to the Grizzlies and got a pair of second-round picks back in return for him. Like, that was a... That was a pretty solid deal. Like, granted, I think Sadoransky's better than uh, Justin Holiday, but if we could get yeah. something like that, then I think that's that's worth exploring. You know? No, definitely. That, that's what I'd look at. Like, I I definitely think there's going to be a point where some of the veterans they're probably going to ask out. I would imagine that more so than just the Bulls looking to move them. I I can't imagine a guy like that who wants to spend his end of his career on a team that, <laughs> no. a team that's winning like 25 games um even if even if he is like the elder statement mentor guy obviously he probably had a little idea what he was getting into but i, I I'm, I'm guessing he thought that there would be much better or at least a and and bottom playoff team as opposed to being you know bottom five team in, in, in the conference. So I imagine these some a guy like him will probably eventually at least ask God. Sadoransky, I'm not sure. I don't remember really him making much of hay last year about wanting out. Uh, I, I think that was mostly out of Thad. But yeah. yeah, I'd imagine at some point these guys will want want something better for themselves for their career. Yeah, and that's also a chance if if the Bulls do get to that point where it's just kind of like you know, they're out of it, not good, just play the young guys, see what they can do. That might also be an opportunity to see what uh, uh, Devin Dotson can do. So you you, you trade a guy like Sadoransky to put Devin Dotson on the floor and see what he can do. He can make some mistakes. Like, this is a season of mistakes. This is going to be a season of uh, transitioning into new roles for some players. Like, I, I know AK and Eversley said that, when when they uh, after they used the number four pick on Patrick Williams, that they hoped that they weren't going to be picking this high ever again, and I don't I don't make anything of that. Like they know what this is, they yeah. know what they inherited, and we all know the deal. Like this isn't a season where we're hoping or expecting them to win a ton of games. We know that this is going to be. I'm not going to say process because that's played but but this is going to be something that (laughs) is going to take a little while for for things to start to make sense so yeah uh, um i remember sadaransky when he was talking about uh when jim boylan got fired like he kind of acknowledged that last season was really tough for the bulls so uh it's probably a nicer way of saying like, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, not, the, yeah. not, not the, not my funnest time, but <laughs> so if I could go to a, a veteran team and there's probably a lot of veteran teams where he would make sense. Like, and he's a six, seven guard who passes well, decent team defender. He can shoot the ball. I think he, he would have some decent interest on the trade market. Yeah, definitely. So it'll be interesting to monitor that as well as we get into these next couple of weeks, because depending on where the, where the Bulls are looking record-wise, it could get more frustrating for some of these players. But, uh, you know, we, we get close to wrapping up here. Edward, do you have any final thoughts uh, as we get into maybe the final uh, – this next week's schedule? We're going to be playing uh, like Portland, uh, Sacramento, Lakers, Clippers. Sacramento is looking like the probably the easiest teams, and I put that in quotes because Sacramento has been playing uh, some solid basketball as well. Yeah, this uh, upcoming schedule is brutal. Uh, at Portland, 
Sacramento, Lakers, Clippers, Celtics, get a break with the Thunder. Then Dallas, Luka will probably be back by then. Houston, Charlotte, Lakers again, Celtics again, Memphis, Portland. I mean, that's that's through Jan- that's through January 30th. Uh this is going to be one hell of a stretch and uh yeah, I, I don't know how many games the Bulls are going to win there. Maybe they surprise, maybe the Sacramento game is a game that I could look at and say maybe there if I had to pick an upset. Um and then I mean, you got a few gimmies I think there with maybe OKC and maybe with uh well, not gimmies, but winnable games with OKC and Charlotte. But yeah, this is a this is going to be a hell stretch. <laughs> yeah. So it'll be interesting. I think, so the Lakers game, I was looking at the Lakers and Clippers to see if they have a back-to-back and the Bulls are for Lakers. The Bulls are the second half of a back-to-back. So maybe, well, maybe they'll do us a solid and sit LeBron and AD and give us well, a, give us a fighting chance in that game. And maybe they can get a win or, yeah. or you never know. Maybe, maybe you just catch one of these really good teams off guard. One of these nights, the Clippers or, or Lakers that, or Portland even. Yeah, because no one's um, getting that, up to play the Bulls. No one's getting up to play the Bulls on any game this season. <laughs> like, that's just no, not, exactly. Yeah, it's it's no, not like oh, we we got to yeah. worry the Bulls are coming into town and we have to have a little urge on. Sometimes it happens. I mean, these are professionals, but they they like to they like to say they're on every night for every team. But I mean, it ha- it's bound to happen where you just kind of come in thinking, yeah, this not this game's not going to be too tough, and then all of a sudden. Zach and Kobe just can't miss. Yeah, that and, that three game stretch in Cali from Wednesday to Sunday, uh, like pre pandemic, spending the weekend in LA, <laughs> it was, and having a day off in between it was probably not the best sign for a young team. I think. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so they they'll be there Friday. They'll get Saturday off, and then they play Sunday. Uh, so. Uh, not as big a distraction, but still in LA and still against two really good teams. But uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I I don't know about that. I, I don't know about the stretch. It's it's a really it's a really bad hand to get this early. Yeah, I, I, I guess I'll still say probably one and four at or one and three. I should say at best, but maybe maybe like I said, we get a little uh, luck on our side a little yeah. bit there. But Anyways, that's a wrap for today's show. You can follow us on Twitter at Bulls Gold. You can follow Edward at Edward Shuler Jr. and me at Jordan Dynasty. Don't forget to tune in every Tuesday morning at 8 a.m. on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net radio station. And if you've missed any previous episodes, you can find us on all major and minor podcast platforms. And please subscribe and rate us at 5 on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Thank you again for tuning in. And as always, for Edward Shuler and myself, until next time, Bulls fans. Peace.